Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. Have you ever thought about doing your British Horse Society stages? You can get stages one to five and you end up with a qualification. Well, this year I decided to start my stage one. And finally, I'm ready for my assessment, but I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what to expect and I haven't done exams for a really long time. So my guest today is Julian Campbell. He's the Technical Development Manager at the British Horse Society and he's going to explain what we can expect from an assessment, what do we need to do to prepare and why we shouldn't be nervous. This is Horse Hour. How are you, Julian? I'm very well today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Really, really good, and and super excited to speak to you, um, because as you know, I am I'm trying to do my stages, nice. <laughs> and the worst thing is I don't have a lot of time, so um, I'm so time poor that I'm trying to get through them super quickly. So I'm thinking, right, if I can get through to my stage three by the end of the year, mm. then great. Next year I can maybe go out and become, you know, instruct a few children and just feel better equipped. The problem is, Julian, we're in September and I still haven't completed stage one yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So it's, it's, just, it's just time, but I am at that stage, at that point, um, where I've got to say I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I didn't really choose to do this as a career as such, you know, because I've already got a career. Um, but it was more because I wanted to be more informed as, an, uh, as, a, well, as, a, as a podcast host, for one, as a horse owner, really. And, um, and now I've got a livery yard. And I really felt that I couldn't preach about um, rules and regulations and insurances and, and qualifications if I didn't have any. Mm. So going through the stage one, I'm fascinated with how little I know. Right. You know, when really... Most of us, I think, we think we know quite a lot. Mm. Um, but guess what? We don't. <laughs> <laughs> so so what was it then? I mean, we will talk in detail in a moment about um, the assessments and, and what to expect of the assessments. But what was it that led you to the development, the technical development side, the assessments and um, the helping people with their qualifications? Well, I think we know that the horse industry changes a little bit as time goes on and Things that we did do maybe 10 or 20 years ago, now through research, we know that we've got to do a better way and we've got to relate to our horses in a better way. So I think it was time to look at the qualifications as they were and determine those things that maybe we didn't necessarily do anymore, uh, but identify those things that we did and aim to continue to do them properly. 
Now, this also went alongside the perception by many candidates that taking an assessment at the BHS was quite a nerve-wracking experience. And therefore, because it was a nerve-wracking experience, they often didn't perform at their best. So not only have we tried to reorganise the syllabus and the specification into a more practical basis, and I think I probably want to highlight that quite considerably, really, that the assessment, particularly the stage one, stage two assessments, focuses very much on what a candidate can do practically. Now, they would be asked questions to support their practical knowledge, but it is very much about what can they actually do. Can they actually do the things that it says on the syllabus in a practical way that would allow them to look after their horses, allow them to work in a stable yard with the welfare of the horse in mind? So I think that was very much the driver for changing the syllabus and specification. But at the same time, we're very conscious that what we've tried to do is make the environment for the candidate as relaxed as possible. So therefore, rather than them working in groups, they're working with one assessor throughout the day. Um, and that assessor them, see, sees them in all aspects of the work. And the day is able to run in a logical pattern, with the emphasis being on giving the candidate the time to practically do their work trying to put them at ease so that they can work at their best. They're not having to go to another assessor or another examiner at a different part of the assessment, but they have that same assessor from the introduction at the beginning and the welcome at the beginning to each part of the stage assessment. And that really, from the candidate point of view, seems to be appreciated. I think it's a great idea purely because um, the well, there's two things from what you were saying. Our, our industry, we do tend to think that if we don't know the answer, we feel like we should know. So, so I think mm. it's very easy to shut down, especially with other peers, you know, or other people. I can, I can imagine being in a group and feeling like I don't want to say the answer in case I get it wrong. Um, but equally, the old school way of equestrianism is you should do the answer and assessors are seen as quite scary. But this new generation of the British Horse Society. I love, you're all so friendly. <laughs> well, we are trying. But I think we also see that in, in many cases, there could be more than one answer um, if we're putting on rugs. And, you know, do we put on the front strap before we do up the strap that goes under the horse's tummy? Well, it, really and truly, as long as the horse is secure when we're doing it, it probably doesn't matter an awful lot which way round straps go. As long as candidates have got a reason why and they can work safely and they look after their horses well, so the welfare of the horse is a prime consideration, but the emphasis is very much on one-to-one and practical work within what they're doing at the point of assessment. So uh, I'm guessing you just have to be able to explain the reasons why you're doing things. So, for well, example, I might put a rug on differently in the stable as to when I'm out in the field and it's really windy. I, I, I noticed this when I was going through my rug section, actually. I mean, I have had horses a long time, but you don't yeah. even think about the reasons why. You know, I, I love how you fold and unfold a rug and whip it off. And it's it's neat. It's like it, mm. my OCD loves this. It's already folded, ready for me to put away. Um, but, but, you know... I mean, I- when I'm 
actually have to think about that process and and logically you know now you are telling me to think about the reasons why I do things and for example you know if it's out windy in the field and uh, I might do the tail and put the tail bit on before I do this sir shingle single what are they called sir, sir single thank you sir singles belly straps yeah um whilst in the stable that might be the the first second third thing that I do it's not so windy it's not so much of a priority and I guess it's the learning the reasons making me think why am I doing this I think it is and I, but often when you're doing a practical task in an assessment it can be that the answer the theory behind it is quite naturally shown by the way in which you do the task so if you put a rug on and you sit the rug just over the over the withers with enough room to bring it back and adjust it and then you do up the front and you put your hand under the rug and around the withers to check for the the pressure or lack of which is what it should be then not only you're putting the rug on correctly but actually you're demonstrating an understanding that if you put your hand in a certain place or you do up the front straps or the belly straps and you leave a hand's width between the straps that cross over and the horse's tummy, then basically you're not only showing that you're doing it correctly, but you're showing your knowledge of that particular task. So very often when I'm um, advising candidates going into an assessment of this nature, that they would do something like that to show that they have an understanding, which then means the questioning is comparatively limited because the questioning will revolve around those things that the assessor maybe has not seen. Is it so much a pass and fail, Julian, or is it more of a um, slightly incorrect answer, but it's not so, oh, I don't know how to explain it, more like a traffic-like uh, system, um, really? I think that would depend on the nature of strength and weakness. Um, if somebody is, for example, slow to put on a rug, but yet the rug is on safely and the horse is secure throughout, then the judgment may well be, well, needs to be a bit more familiar with the putting on of the rug, but the rug is actually put on well. Um, And that would then tend to indicate the candidate was at the right sort of standard. Whereas if the candidate was really struggling to get the rug on, they couldn't get it over the horse's back or it was put on in the wrong place, then unfortunately that may be are not to standard because of the way in which they're doing it. So I think it's a little bit sum and sum. Each part of the assessment is split into what we call learning outcomes. And in the stable care part, in the horse care part, there are two sections. And each of those sections has a number of learning outcomes, which the candidate will do on the day of the assessment. Now, those learning outcomes have to freestand But there is some ability to be able to look at the candidate as a whole and to be able to sometimes signpost and assist the candidate in getting in the right sort of direction. Would you like to do that again? Or if you were going to do that again, would you do it any differently? How would you adjust that particular strap for safety? Or what do you think about the adjustment or fit of a particular strap or part of that particular equipment? So all the way through, uh, the assessor, if need to, is trying to not do the work for the candidate, but trying to conjure up the way in which they direct the candidate 
and the way in which they question the candidate is trying to encourage them in the right direction to do the tasks correctly. It sounds like a brilliant way of learning as well. Do you do education days where we could go and I think some of your some of your um, BHS riding schools do, don't yes, they? Where we can go we and do. spend some time with them? Yeah, many of our approved establishments will offer particular bespoke training, which is either in small groups or individual for assessments that candidates are working for. Um, and I think the sort of thing also to point out, particularly with stage one, stage two assessments, is it, it is about working in a way that we would normally work on the yard. So you're not really going to be asked to do something which is not normal yard practice. So in stage one, you'd be mucking out a horse. You'd be putting on tack, saddle and bridle. It would be saddle and bridle that belongs to that particular horse. Uh, you would be talking about its comfort and its safety. Uh, you take the tack off, you put on a rug, and it would be the same idea that you would put on a rug that this horse may normally wear. So there is nothing within those levels of assessment that is not part, really, of day-to-day care of the horse, uh, whether it be the practical things in the stable, tacking up, grooming, uh, whether it be some of the practical things that are outside of the stable, cleaning a bridle, or it's feeding the horse and preparing the food for the horse. But everything that is contained within those assessments are really are things that we would be doing on a daily or a regular basis, depending on the time of year. It sometimes feels that, um, you know, the, the youngsters coming through, because some of your stages are for 14-year-olds, and that yes. was the one thing that I, I kept thinking was, it's okay, Amy, if a 14-year-old can do this, you can definitely do it. Um, but actually, it's like taking your driving test again. You know, when you've been driving for 20 years, you've picked up some of the worst habits mm. that, that, I, that I genuinely have to think, you know, where how do I tie up? Have I, am I tying up the correct way? And is it safe to shut the door behind me? Or should I, you know, leave it? slightly open in case I want to get out quickly you know those are all things that um that it's making me think as a as a you know a a horse owner it's just it's making my brain work and it's quite fascinating and I do feel that more more people really should do these qualifications so that we're all a little bit better educated and then we might not get the nastiness in the yard so much of people thinking they know more than others um if we're all on the same level playing field this might help a little bit um Mm. but say say my next stage then Julian is um I am I'm there ready for my assessment now so could you for those of us that are ready um could you could you please uh, talk us through maybe what we need to expect when we go there for the day so you mentioned earlier sure. that um if we just do stage one because it's easier i'm sure each of the stages it gets a little bit more complicated um but not the nitty-gritty detail of what the stage is about but you mentioned earlier that um we're working with one instructor one assessor yeah. that will take us through is that one-on-one or would there be a group of of four of us and would well, we get usually, to know each other before? Uh, usually, the answer is that if you, you have all of the information from the office about where the centre is, and so address and, and what to wear, which is also within the skills records. Um, and although the skills record is not compulsory for stage one, we actually do recommend that candidates working for any of the stages would work with their regular instructor or trainer and work through the skills record. Uh, 
because it's a very good indicator as to what they will be expected to do on the day of the assessment. Our centres where the assessments take place are all approved. Usually when you pitch up at an assessment day, there are signs and there is somebody to tell you where to go. All of the candidates will tend to have a meeting area. So we'll have the opportunity to say hello to fellow candidates and find out a little bit like where are the refreshments and are there any refreshments and that sort of thing. The assessors will usually come in and meet the candidates as a group and welcome the candidates um, and tell them which candidates are working with which assessor. Now, usually there would be three candidates working with an assessor at any one time. But we don't do that as groups. What we tend to do at the start of the day is the allocated assessor will do a little bit of welcoming and introduce themselves, find out who is who. Also make sure that there is a clear means to identify individuals at the point of assessment as well. So we've now taken to using eventing type tabards, uh, which has the first name of the candidate on the front with their number and a number on the back. Now, that means that straight away the assessor, if they do get confused with names, is straight away going to know who they're talking to. So there is that intro and the identification at the start of the assessment, which gives the candidates the opportunity to get to know their assessor. They usually... So, so, I, so I'd have a tabard that, say, has number one on it or number two? You would, yeah. I quite um, but like you'd... that because it gives me... I don't know, when you're yourself, you feel a little bit more raw. And, but when no yeah. one knows your name, <laughs> it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you get it wrong. I'm just number two today. <laughs> it's brilliant. But what we normally do is we'd normally put the, your first name on the tabard at the front. So and the reason being that if you're then talking close contact in the stables then the assessor will know who you are and can talk to you by your first name. But if you're riding and you're at the opposite end of a 40-metre arena, then they can see your number at a distance. So that's all checked at the beginning. Hats are checked to make sure they're at a current standard. um, And the membership details are also checked to make sure everybody comes with an identity and their membership card. And then the assessment day begins. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Usually, most assessors will say, this is what we're going to do and this is where we're going to go to and also tells you where each part of the yard is such if you've got an opportunity for a break during the morning or during the day you know where to go to have a break you know where to go to have a drink um, so all of those things are sort of done through the morning now at the start you'll either go off in a group of three with your assessor to ride or you would go off and start the staple management now, I hasten to say, having said that we weren't working in groups earlier on, that is still the case. So although three assessor, uh, one assessor is going off with three candidates, effectively, those candidates, whenever anything is discussed, is discussed on a one-to-one. Each candidate will be allocated a horse and a stable. Uh, so the three candidates will have a horse each, and the assessor will introduce how you're going to work through if it's stable management or horse care you're starting off with, each assessor will just clarify and explain how the stable management section A and section B of the stable management will work. Now, usually if it's me, I will start off by saying, we'll just talk a little bit health and safety before we begin. What's the first thing you do before you go into the stable? And then we'll begin. And I try to run my assessments in a way that things link very nicely one after the other. So candidates will first of all be asked to muck out. Uh, So they'll choose their stable, they'll have their stable, they'll muck out. They'll go on from mucking out to taking them up to the muck heap. They'll keep the area of the yard they're working in tidy. They'll then go on from mucking out to grooming. And the brief is usually show how you would do a complete grooming of the horse particularly knowing that you're going to put a saddle and bridle on it in a little while. They'll go from grooming to putting on saddle and bridle. They'll go from saddle and bridle to taking the saddle off, taking the horse out of the stable, leading it in hand. Then they'll come back, finish that particular part of their assessment off and put a rug on. And then they'll be asked a few questions about feeding. Um, So they'll go to the feed room. We might go to the field and have a look at field so we can talk about the behavior of the horse inside and outside and during that that latter period they'll also be asked to clean a bridle. Now if uh, the riders are going off the candidates are going off to ride then the riding will take place in a large indoor or outdoor school depending on the weather at the time and it was usual that there could be anything up to six riders in a large arena at any one time. And the riding will usually involve getting on, checking your tack to make sure you can get on safely, getting on from a mounting block. And the initial part of that riding work will usually be in a group. So in other words, it will be riding school order. Uh, There will be somebody in the middle, which is basically directing people where to go. So there is what we tend to refer to as a caller, And that caller will direct everybody around the arena, keep everybody safe and make sure that the commands or requests that you get are clear and that everybody basically understands what they're being asked to do. 
in general terms. On the first horse you ride, you will show walk, trot, and canter. The canter work will be as an individual. The walk and trot work initially may be in a riding school type of order with changes of rein and circles carried out. On the first horse, riders will usually work without stirrups. On the second horse, they will also walk, trot and canter. And the work on the second horse will usually include some forward position work and some work over trotting poles. Total time is... Sorry, Julian, did you say the first one, they'd work, they'd work without stirrups? It is usual. Uh, it can be variable. And, and here, I think, is an example of where the assessor will look at the candidate's riding and make a judgment as to what is best for the candidate. Usually, their better candidates are better riding without stirrups on their first horse. However, if maybe candidates within a group found that they were taking a little bit longer to just loosen up or or work in or just settle into the horses they're riding, then the decision might be made for them to ride without stirrups on their second horse. So it very much is about the assessor looking at the group of candidates and really determining what is best. Um, where are the candidates going to be able to show their strengths, their riding to best advantage? Usually without stirrups is on the first horse because that tends to be the sort of the common factor of everybody is usually ready together, but not everybody is. So there are times when somebody might ride without stirrups on the second horse. Hmm. No, I, I, I might ride without stirrups on my fourth horse, Julian, I think, <laughs> if, it's not, if it's not a windy day. Um, but are we allowed to ask any questions at this point? I mean, are, are we allowed to, for health and safety reasons, you know, find out a little bit about the horse? I'm Obviously, the horses are going to be riding school ponies, probably yeah. really safe. But, um, you know, it's still good to know if they do turn around and bite every now and again when you're putting the girth up or, you know, if they... There is nothing to stop, nothing to stop anybody asking a question at any time during an assessment. What I will often say is just that. Now, if I've asked a question and either the candidate doesn't understand or uh, I've said it badly myself, then I will say, please ask me to rephrase this. If you've got any questions then please say what they are. Um, Generally, we try to brief the person who's standing in the middle of the school and commanding the ride, because often they've done it many, many times before. So therefore, they're pretty familiar. They'll know their horses, and they will often tell you a little bit about the horse. You know, you're riding this horse, and he's quite forward going, and that you're riding this horse, and he sometimes needs a little bit more leg when you go into canter or something like that. And it depends how the candidates feel themselves as to what is useful. But we do try to encourage the person who's standing in the middle of the arena to be a little bit on the chatty side. Because certainly from my own point of view, it's always been a bit of a mystery to me that particularly people who are preparing for stage one and stage two assessments will have fairly active lessons. So if they're preparing for their stages assessment, Lessons are usually going to be active and a need-to-know type of basis. And then they go into an assessment and it will be deadly quiet. And therefore, that in itself can't feel very relaxing. So I think we sort of take the view that whereby the person in the middle of the arena who's commanding the session and telling you where to go 
is not there to give you a lesson, but equally is to try and encourage you to ride your horses in the way in which you would want to ride your horses. So it's a bit more chatty and it's a bit more relaxed in its approach with the view to trying to get as much out of the riders as possible. Oh, that sounds great. You're going to be really excited. I can't wait to go and do my assessment now. I think there is a little sneaky trick as well, isn't there, that you're allowed to go and have a lesson before you have your assessment, almost like a practice assessment day? There is no reason why you can't go to the assessment centre um, and take some lessons before the day of the assessment. And if that helps you to become you know, just relaxed in that environment and ride some of the horses that would be in the assessment, then that is not a problem. Because some of us, Julian, go from, you know, a very isolated field environment where we're riding the same horse to suddenly you're in a big yard and, you know, you've, you've got all these horses that you've never ridden before, people you've never met. There's a lot to take on. Um, so it's just nice to be yeah. able to familiarise yourself with, with your surroundings, isn't it? Yes, I think if if you know the surroundings, if you've been to them before and you've you've had a couple of lessons and maybe you know the staff there, then I think you are going to naturally be more relaxed on the day of the assessment than if you pitch up somewhere where you've never been before and you don't know what everybody does and you don't know, you don't recognise anybody, then you're going to start the day at a disadvantage. So there's absolutely no reason why you can't go to the assessment venue for some lessons and preparation before the day of the assessment. I guess if you want to feel really, really, uh, you know, confident, then um, take what I'm doing is taking a group of ladies with me. So we're all doing our yeah. exams at the same time because we feel far too old to be doing this anyway. So <laughs> we thought if we go together, we can show each other up and um, we won't be shown up. And uh, yeah, it's lovely. This, so there's going to be three of us. We'll head on down to our local riding school, which I think is Cobb Stables. I think that's the closest oh, one. And we quab yes and we've we've been doing it together and you know it's been a really lovely experience and yeah. um it's been lovely just spending a couple of hours a week with our instructor who's been helping us through and we've all been pleasantly surprised at how, not only how much have we learned but how much we've enjoyed learning now way more than we did when we were younger um but equally we didn't get that opportunity when we were younger so um, thank you, Julian, for doing this. And, you know, I'm so grateful to the British Horse Society because they've made it so, so simple, you know, with all your books that you've got. I've got, you know, I'm looking now at Complete Horsemanship Volume 2. Yeah. You can get it anywhere. You can get it from your website, from Amazon. It's so easily accessible. And then like you mentioned earlier, your um, typical, I've forgotten the name of them now. Uh, the assessment books. You've you've got workbooks um, yeah. that make it easy, almost like homework workbooks to work through. We have, and then your assess the assessment sheets with our uh, with our instructor as well. So it is really really simple. It's literally just a matter of booking it in now. I mean, I think that the bit of advice I would tend to offer to any uh, candidate going forward for our assessments, particularly from a practical point of view, is take the time to be well-practised across that subject area. Um, to sort of, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much work you've done or, or, or what you do. I mean, I know a little bit about your background, but it's about just making sure that when you go and put on tack, it's an easy task to do because you're practised at it and it becomes very straightforward to uh, secure the horse, how you put on the bridle and you deal with the head collar at the same time. And I think the sort of 
one word of advice I think I would always want to try and give candidates from a practical point of view is do enough practice because that's not always what you know. It's just that you are familiar with the handling of the equipment and the horse at the same time. So it looks like it's something you do every day of the week, really. Um, and I can't sort of overemphasize that bit enough. Julian, thank you so much. Thank you for Very spending welcome. the time today talking to us about the assessments and what to expect. Um, if you would like to start your stages or, or head over and do your assessment, then head to the website bhs.org.uk and we can follow you on Twitter and Facebook too. Thanks so much, Julian. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. I love seeing what you're up to. And thank you so much to those of you who have sent me messages lately with lots of ideas for some amazing guests. So we've got some good ones coming up in the pipeline. Can't wait to share them with you. We're just on tentative conversations at the moment. You know, it takes time to get these incredible guests because, well, mainly because their competition schedules are so, so busy but I'm very excited about the next few weeks and um, so I'll let you know as soon as I can in the meantime keep the ideas coming because it really is interesting to hear the problems that you're going through with your horses and um, how maybe you know the horse hour podcast can help by interviewing some people that maybe have had those issues previously or some veterinary experts so um, I really would love to hear the problems that you're going through even as well if you've had a problem and you've overcome it how did you overcome it this is a time where i think we need to be sticking together we need to be helping each other as much as possible i know that we've got you know the facebook groups and all that education out there but um, if we can do our little bit then i'd love for horse hour to be part of that so you can tag me at horse hour hashtag horse hour on any of the social platforms and you can contact me at horsehour.co.uk as well so i hope you have a really good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon 